Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly Podcast. My name is Chris, I'm your host, and I'm delighted to tell you France are still world champions, but they've also added another piece of silverware to the collection, things you love to see. So, as you will probably imagine, that's where the focus of our pod is going to be tonight. Uh, Nations League is the trophy that means the most. It's very important, it's vital. We always said it was important, we never had any doubts. I swear, <laughs> I swear we didn't. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a trophy and it's uh, it's a first for France, obviously, because it's a new competition. So we are going to celebrate it. So if you don't like gloating and you don't like praise uh, for the French national team, this is probably not the podcast for you. But I imagine, dear listener, as you tuned into French Football Weekly, it probably is. So let's give it a go. Uh, I need some people to join me to gloat, of course. So... Uh, Mr. Jeremy Smith, fresh off of a half marathon yesterday. Jess, how's the legs? Uh, yeah, they're good. They're fine. Good. Surprisingly. Excellent. Uh, very nice sunset I saw you post last night as well. That was rather pretty. So uh, well done to you. Um, Mr. Rich Allen, I'm guessing maybe tried another home brew yesterday with your feet up rather than running a half marathon. Would that be accurate? Yeah, I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point, fair point. Uh, welcome aboard. And uh, and finally, Phil, how are you doing? Uh, had a bit of a tough day, but we'll say no more. But you're, uh, other than that, doing happy and doing well, yeah, I presume? My legs are screwed, but that's entirely unrelated to any marathon uh, situation. Excellent. So what we're basically saying is Jez is the fit one and we're just here trying frantically to keep up. That's uh, good to hear. Right. Um, Let's jump in then. So, uh, Jez, I'm going to start with you because uh, you're the fit and firing one. So we've uh, had a semi-final and a final. Uh, For those people who've been sleeping under a rock, um, I mean, in in truth, it sort of came up and caught me unawares. I had almost forgotten about the uh, the Nations League until it was upon us. But indeed, it was upon us. Um, The semi-final, we uh, well, we're going to we're going to combine the two games. But let's sort of start off with with the semi-final. A 3-2 win over Belgium. Um, That doesn't even begin to tell the tale here, Jez. 2-0 down to Carrasco and Lukaku. I think the official Belgian um, Twitter handle sort of tweeted a comfortable first half. Yeah, that that didn't work out too well, did it? Because then the Benzema, the Mbappe (laughs) and the Teo Hernandez goal was just a thing of of wonder. Um, I mean, talk me through your feelings, thoughts, emotions in that game, Jez, because I was recording another podcast elsewhere at the time and when it went to 2-0, I... I wouldn't say I gave up, but I thought it's it's uphill from here and then that happened. So where, where was your thoughts on that semi-final? I think, I mean, in general, I'm not going to gloat because I think, you know, there's still lots to work on in the France team. And also it's the Nation League, Nations League. I mean, it's basically the international version of the Community Shield. It's lovely if you win it, but it's not very important if you don't. So the I think the only sort of, gloaty element comes from the bad loserness of the other side and obviously the Belgium match sort of took on a bit more importance I mean generally as we I think discussed last week it really isn't yet an important competition but it sort of has taken on importance for France purely in the context of the Euro which was a complete failure you know there's no consolation for that We'd have all preferred to have done better in the Euro, but because France's sort of confidence and maybe even status was so shaken after that, I think for that reason, this whole tournament or this sort of final four has, has 
become more important and therefore obviously it's the sort of ideal finished result then the belgian match itself took on a lot more importance because there's the traditional rivalry i read in the build-up france have played belgium like 30 35 more times than they've played any other international nation <laughs> it shows sort of how far back the match goes they're obviously um you know neighbors Belgium is sort of France's island in terms of jokes. So there's always that bit of tension. And then, of course, there was the, the whole way in which um, Courtois, Hazard and, and a couple of others kind of took the semi-final defeat in 2018, particularly gracelessly. So I think that was the context for, you know, if you want to gloat at all, that's where you should take it from. Although I do agree with a lot of people that, I don't think it's Lekip's place to have some sort of piss taking on the front page, which they did the next day. Not sure about that. But um, in terms of the match itself, I mean, yeah, half time, it was a comfortable lead for Belgium. The first 30 minutes or so was relatively even in a sort of insipid way in, in, in the way that both teams are playing, kind of taking turns, having sort of 10 minutes possession at a time and then doing very little with it. And then Belgium sort of went up a gear or France went down a gear the last 10, 15 minutes and, and Belgium were probably good for the 2-0 for the lead. Um, but I just, it feels like, again, if we look back on this Nations League as meaning anything, it's that maybe France, like France players like to talk about sort of having a, a reference match, a match that, you know, in a few years they'll hopefully look back on and say, that was the the match in which this team was sort of born. So, you know, the great Platini team would say that it was the World Cup qualifier against the Netherlands in, I think, 82. Or the sort of, even the 98 team would probably say that it was the um, Euro qualifier away to Romania in 96, that kind of thing. And maybe, hopefully, in a few years' time, we'll be able to look back at the Nations League and, you know, the second half performance against Belgium and say that's where this team was born. Um, Pogba sort of alluded to it after the match and, and said maybe videos will come out after the final that, you know, words were spoken at half time. It was like, you know, very moving, lots of energy in the room. You can't really explain it, but hopefully we'll, we'll at some point see what, what was said and what was done. But yeah, the France team that came out in that second half was something we've never really seen before. We've never seen such a high pressing France team. We've never seen um, two certain strikers actually put in a defensive shift, for example. Um, so that was that was a huge performance in the second half. And then it kind of went on to the final, which like before, without wanting to jump the gun, was kind of, you know, Spain and France going back to their archetypal styles. And I mean it by style, like Spain, at, at half time, there was so much fuss on, on Twitter with amongst all the usual French naysayers about Spain are completely outplaying us. They're dominating possession. It's embarrassing, blah, mm. blah, blah. They dominated possession, but they didn't outplay us. They didn't create anything. And it's a perfectly reasonable to tactic tactic to say, go on then, have the ball. We're going to stay strong in defence. Yep. You're going to pussyfoot around with it for the first two thirds of the pitch, and then you're not going to do anything. And then in terms of France, oh, they've got no style. All they do is soak up this pressure and then hit teams on the attack. That's the style. That's okay. playing to your strength. That's what worked in 2018. 
And it turns out it worked pretty well last night as well. So I think what we've seen from this France team, I think that's in this calendar year, possibly seven times, seven matches in which France fell behind and didn't lose. And yes, there was that period of five crappy draws in the middle of it. But again, they didn't lose. So there's something to be taken out of that. This France team has got character. It's got a sort of rage to, to not be defeated. It's got different ways of winning. And we'll come to it later. We've, it's got faults, but it's also got a lot of match winners. Yeah. So, Dan, I mean, I, Phil, come on in. Yeah, just um, thinking about, obviously... The, in the semi-final, you had a 2-0 lead at half-time, but then that Benzema strike set up by Mbappe, Mbappe equalises. After that, Courtois had to do a lot of work. And then there was Lukaku goal, which was uh, ruled out before Teo Hernandez. Uh, sure everyone's seen the stat the first brothers to start for France since 1932 Jean-Luc Lucien uh, Laurent I think it says it um, so this was really two games of two halves that we saw over this semi-final and then final day which was not good for the blood pressure uh, if you were supporting France, potentially, but it did show massive amounts of character. And I think that was a really, really uh, heartening thing to see, that it wasn't heads dropping, it was heads coming up. And yeah. that's something I think we, we can... You know, look forward to as we move towards the uh, the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, the World Cup. That's, that's the next thing on the horizon, isn't it? And it's not that far away after all. Um, Rich, uh, I think Jazz and, and Phil have, have summed it up pretty nicely there, and I want to get your take as well on you know, both the semi-final and, and moving into the final. And particularly, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I can't remember the exact wording, but you tweeted something along the lines of. Uh, Turns out Didier Deschamps isn't actually that bad a manager after all, um, which it did make me smile. Uh, what, what did you make of this? Because I, I know we sort of, you know, we did have that kind of all Nations League, does it really matter kind of conversation on the last podcast. And I think we all kind of agreed, well, if we win it, it sort of matters. Like Jez said, it's the community shield element. But I think the point Jez made about the Euros is quite a good one in that they, I think I feel like France sort of just needed to gently remind everybody that they are still world champions and they are still, no matter what the FIFA rankings say, arguably, if not the one of the top three teams in, in world football right now and, and should be respecting them. I just felt that not only the semi-final comeback, but also the ultimate victory kind of cemented that. Did you did you kind of see it that way as well? Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, there's not really a great deal you can say from the first half of that semi-final. Um, it was pretty disappointing all round. Um, and then right at the end of the half, there was the two late goals that that gave um, that gave Belgium that lead. So it, it felt pretty deflating at half-time. And I won't lie, there was a part of me that was like, I don't know if I can be bothered to turn into, tune into the second half. Um, but I did. 
And I'm glad I did. Um, I would love to know what was said at halftime. Um, I'm sure, as, as Jez alluded to, we will eventually at some point, some documentary will be made and it will get announced in there what was said. But I would be very interested to to know what was said because that team... I think Graham, Su- Graham Sooners has put out a super injunction because you don't want anyone to see Pogba motivating people in the changing room. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, no. So, so it was. What I found interesting was there was there was no there was no personnel change. There wasn't any panic, as we've seen with France going behind in a huge number of matches recently. There was no panic, even two 0 down to you know this supposed great Belgian team. Um, it was. I think people had just been told what their roles were and reminded of what their roles were in the dressing room because the game came out and everything seemed to click. Uh, and we saw the great the, the great comeback that they did. Um, heart and mouth stuff when Lukaku scored that goal um, with, what, two minutes to go? Um, especially then on replays, it was like, mm, yeah, I mean, that's offside. And then you go, oh, God, is it? And then you start convincing yourself... They're going to give this. They're going to give this goal. Um, fortunately, correct decision was made. Um, and I think, as, as Jess was saying, I think France winning this externally, I think, will be downplayed by a lot of certainly media outlets, um, especially the sort of more global media outlets, but you can bet your bottom dollar had France lost that match. Yeah. There would be an outcry. Absolutely. So there was some real significance to this. And as, as again, going back to what I said, being the reference match to take that match as an example um, to, as to, yeah. Okay. We've gone behind two nil to a very, very good team. But, you know, we've showed even at that point, we're not out of anything, any situation we can come back from. So I think that confidence that they can take from from that um, and using that as a launch pad then for this sort of mark two, if you like, of, of the, uh, the Deschamps era. Um, looking at the final, I really don't... I think you, you could have taken that final and dropped it into the 2018 World Cup and it wouldn't have looked out of place in any of the knockout rounds. Such was the similarities in terms of the, the sort of tactical setup. Um, you know, there's still issues, we've said. There's still issues in this team. But there was a lot of that 2018 World Cup winning side that I saw in that final against Spain. Um, one... Slight tangent, I suppose. One almost hypothetical, um, in hindsight, if you like, scenario I thought of watching the the two matches um, was if only Benzema could have learnt to keep his mouth shut and could have chosen perhaps his acquaintances a little better. (laughs) What this France team would have looked like if we could have gone all the way back, all the way back to when it was the 2014 World Cup and that, that game against 
um, Switzerland when Benzema and Giroud played, played and Benzema was played out on the left and played brilliantly. He didn't like it, spoke up, everything was changed. And it was almost one of those sliding doors moments. If we went back to that, and if he just learned to accept, actually, you know what, me playing in not my favourite position is for the greater good of this team. Roll that time then forward to, you know, the time that he spent in international wilderness. <laughs> Would he have been in that scenario? Quite possibly not. If he learned to just bite his tongue every, you know, when the, when the time comes. Because there is no doubting. And we said it all during that spell he wasn't in the team. At club level, and probably deep down, he's a brilliant player. But there was just the, I'll put it under the overall bracket of attitude problems, that kept him out of that French team. And you just think, if, if those attitude problems could have been worked on, if he had the... The, the foresight to recognise, you know what, I just need to shut up and do my job. Um, you know, and I just think how much better could, or how, yeah, how much better could that French team have been over the last few years with a Benzema in the team working in the system that works so well? It's, it's all hindsight, hypothetical nonsense, I know, but it just got me thinking about that. Yeah. Because we saw there was a lot of good from Benzema. I think there has been a, you know, a lot of good since he came back into the squad, even at the Euros. We, we know it's almost clear as day as to what are the negatives of him coming back into the team in terms of player mentality, in terms of the change of formation, the change of almost tactics that, that have been tweaked to sort of accommodate him and Mbappe especially and how that's affected the likes of Griezmann, how that's pushed Giroud out of the equation altogether. But strip all that away, I think there has been a lot of good from Benzema. You know, and we saw with his, with his goal in the final, what he is capable of. We know he's an excellent player. Um, so there's, there's a lot, I think, to take from this game. You know, there's, there's what is the future for this team? You know, we, we've gone from, you know, sort of a, a friendly, the friendlies before this final four where they were playing four at the back and it was 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3. And then we had the rejig for the final four with three at the back. Um, I think it looks pretty good. It does expose some other issues. I think we found a great left wing back in Teo Hernandez. Yeah. I'm, I still cannot rest easy with Kimpembe in the team no. because he's 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 either at one end of the one end of the the, uh, the line or the other. There's no real in between. It seems with him. Um, I think perhaps Pavard has been exposed um, at right wing back, but I, I do think three at the back work quite well. I did get a little worried when Varane went off injured. And Pamacano came on because still doesn't look like he is international standard yet. But there's there's a lot to take. I, I've liked the inclusion of the new players. You know, we know Teo Hernandez. 
Chiuameni, I think when he's been brought in, I think he's he's barely put a foot wrong in the minutes that he's played in a French shirt. Um, so there's there's a lot. I think there's a lot of positives from it. But even winning the trophy doesn't escape that we do have, you know, some areas that need to be looked at, need to be con- um, to con- need to be considered. Sorry, and need to be dealt with, uh, and that we shouldn't bask in any glory whatsoever. Um, you know, we need we need to be looking at okay, how can we rectify this? How can we cre- you know, mold this team so that we're getting the best out of everyone? Mm. Because it, it is apparent that that formation, certainly in the final four, you are not getting the best out of Griezmann. Yeah. You're still getting the same amount of effort, and even with just effort alone, it's still a really, you know, it's still a pretty good performance. But you're not getting the very best from Griezmann, and if you're not getting the very best from Griezmann, that's a big, big, um, you know, that's a big, big loss to the team. So yeah. figuring out how to get him firing plus Benzema plus um, Mbappe I still thought going back to my thinking back in my sliding doors scenario you know what that front four of Giroud up top and then a three behind him of Benzema on the left Mbappe on the right and Griezmann in the middle and just think what 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 could that have been hey yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's lots to take from it. It was a it was a it was a good performance. It wasn't a brilliant performance. The final, um, they did enough. But you know what? That that won them the World Cup. So that would do for me. Yeah, yeah. So I think just um, just what Jess was saying earlier about you know the the styles of the teams. I think um, Deschamps said before the match. Basically, you can't get the ball off Spain. Um, and again, with the two games of two halves, they did in the second half. It turned out overall in the final that the possession was 50-50 because they soaked up the pressure, as is the stereotype in the first half, but then they came out and they took a step forward and they did something with it. And I think that, as we've all said, um, shows uh, a great degree of concentration as well. We're looking at some really good goalkeepers over these two matches. And Loris, I just want to say, that epic save in the first minutes, I think, of the uh, of the final was brilliant. But he made some key saves late on as well. Yeah. Not an awful lot of um, shots on target to deal with, but he dealt with them. And that was also a good sign for a team that is working from front to back. Yeah. Uh, that maybe with I I also agree with Rich what could that front four have been but that would then mean a different midfield a different defence a different situation back there and this setup does seem to suit 
overall the players involved. Yeah. yeah Not can... maybe get all of the players you'd want to be involved, involved, but it's better overall. And yeah. that's the, I know Jez has um, castigated me a couple of times saying uh, Deschamps can't change it up. He has changed and he has picked a system that works best for the team. Yeah. And that's what you have to do, basically. And brilliant. And brilliant. Can I just go back on a couple of those things, though? The world might have been, I agree to the extent that obviously Benzema is a brilliant player and it's just every time I turn on Twitter, like I literally just turned it on and there was Miku expressing frustration that Benzema missed all these years, blah, blah, blah. There were reasons why they missed those years and during those years they finished very unfortunate finalists of one tournament and won the other tournament. So it's not, you know, we can lament how they might have played, but they might not there's a good chance they wouldn't have done any better with him. And there's an argument they'd have done worse because I know it seems to be illegal in France to criticise Benzema, but take yesterday's match, for example, superb goal. Until then, I thought it was a pretty poor performance. When you're playing Spain, the one thing you need to have is some kind of outball, someone who's able to hold the ball up. He was completely incapable of doing that. First hour, first hour against Belgium, he was pretty poor in the same way as well. Um, so again, this isn't, I know that I'm sort of kind of looking like I'm obsessed with both Giroud and Griezmann, and maybe I am to an extent, but... Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> True. But, um, you know, these people bring different things. And, and let's be fair, again, there's so many positives, but, you know, Rich alluded to the, you know, the, the Lukaku goal and it could easily have been given, um, it was borderline, it could have been given. Same yesterday, the, the other way around. We may or may not come to it, but, you know, I wouldn't have had any complaints if Mbappe's goal had been disallowed, for example. We got the rub of the green on a couple of on a couple of decisions in the two matches as well. It could easily have gone the other way. And then, you know, we might have been saying after the first match, not that we crashed and burned, because it's still there's no shame in losing to the world champions in a team um, when you've got a team that's in transition. But, um, you know, we, we could easily be looking at a very different result. Um, and we could be looking back and saying, well, part of that is because Benzema can't hold the ball up and Mbappe is so selfish. So, you know, it is sliding doors, but it's, I'm just constantly frustrated by how lazy so many French pundits are with this whole, well, if Benzema had been playing the last three years, we'd have, you know, won everything with the most beautiful football since Brazil 1970. And the other thing with Giroud, uh, Griezmann, sorry, I am obsessed with Griezmann is that, this system was put in place in, in the Finland match to get the best out of Griezmann. And we saw the best of Griezmann. We saw the best of Griezmann and Benzema working together in the Finland match. Then Mbappe comes back. Griezmann um, obviously is slightly doing, you know, given a lot more of a defensive shift, which doesn't help. I mean, um, the Athletic today was saying that yesterday he effectively was, was doing a sort of man-marking role on... Um, Busquets um, 
so you know he can't have all his attacking ability when he's got to concentrate so much on the defensive side but also i yesterday i mean i genuinely thought it was a little bit awkward at times it seemed so obvious to me that both mbappe and benzema were were actively ignoring griezmann and i think that's going to be a problem yeah yeah i i, I did i kind of you sort of set me up a little bit for Something that I I may well actually I may well ask I may save that one for you in a second because there's a, another couple of questions I wanted to bring up but um, just a couple of quick things. Uh, firstly, um, somebody on this podcast last week said they fancied Spain. I don't know who that guy was, but he clearly knows his stuff. So uh, stick with him. Um, but jokes aside, the, the the offside decision, you know, I saw a lot of um, you know revisionism. On, on social media yesterday and oh well you know it's wrong it wasn't a goal it was this is that and um you know I, I would respectfully just simply say cry more I mean it you know it is the rule and ask yes 100% you know if that was a goal that goes against your team or, or against France then yeah I'm sure we would feel exactly as as Spain feel but the amount of sort of Schadenfreude I suppose was thrown around Twitter oh you know France got lucky it should never have been in that position to score that goal and uh, I'm sorry, no, you know, the, 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 the touch is very clear and I do agree. Yes, the uh, the defender whose name escapes with Garcia, wasn't it? I think it was Eric Garcia. You know, the argument is, well, what's he supposed to do? Just, just hope the flag goes up and just let the player run through and hope for the best. Well, unfortunately, in the modern era... You, you live on hope a lot of the time anyway, because how many goals do you do you see at domestic level or international level, but where where you think, oh, yeah, it's a legitimate goal and you're celebrating and then VAR calls it back. I mean, we are living in an era now where you just have to adjust and that's the way it is. And unfortunately, you know, if he, if he cuts that ball out, we're talking about heroic, fantastic defending. He stretches, he doesn't get the ball and Bappe does the right thing, puts the ball away, you know, finishes it superbly and, and that's the result. So, is the rule an arse? Yes, I do think it's an arse and it probably should be looked at, but the rules are the way they are and that's it. And Spain had a number of chances and they didn't take them. Um, more, probably more so actually after that goal had gone in, in fairness. But, you know, you you, you act first and you deal with it afterwards. Um, just the only thing that really annoyed me about that was this whole, oh, they shouldn't have allowed it because it's not in the spirit of the game. Oh, yeah. It's a ridiculous hilarious. rule, <laughs> yeah. but to have disallowed it because it's a ridiculous rule, that would have not been in the spirit oh, of the game. Just nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolute nonsense. Um, did you want to mention that, Phil? Because I've got I've got a question for each of the lads. Oh no, because I I was um, obviously in the uh, build up to the game on Twitter, reading everything, and Mohammed Butt, who is a wonderful uh, wonderful follower on Twitter, if you're on there was posting all kinds of um, kind of memes and videos and pictures of what Garcia versus Mbappe would look like, which made me think he wasn't particularly confident that Garcia would be able to deal with the situation. But I do understand listening. I listened to a couple of podcasts a day. If you're a defender and you know you've got one of the fastest and most efficient strikers in the world behind you, you might try to cut that ball out or step back. Um, one of the two. 
Yeah, that's well, that's the problem. If you leave that ball to go through, you're then relying on the ref and VAR to say that was offside. Do you take that chance? I totally agree. That's why it's a stupid rule. And that's why it's stupid to say you can't be interfering. Several people have said. The only reason that Garcia panicked that badly is because Mbappe was behind him. You're so he yeah. is, you know, uh, interfering with play. He's influencing the game. It's the same phase of play, whatever words you choose to use. I mean, fair enough. By the rules of the game, it was good. And we're all happy with that, but I can understand why other people are not happy. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think my my end of that. I think that's fair, and and I and I you know I do agree, and I, I can't remember which France player it was. It might have been, but I can't remember. One of them was basically sort of saying, you know, Spain had a lot of. I think you touched on it earlier on, Jez, a lot of possession. But ultimately, they didn't really do a lot with it. And if the game... Actually, no, I'll tell you who it was. It was Amaric Laporte. That's who it was. So um, it was a French player. So it was a French player, exactly. Uh, you know, and he was just saying, you know, I, I think he described it as something like dancing with your sister, which I thought was a very interesting analogy. That's Maradona's like, line about oh, just her possession, but do nothing with it. Of course it was. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But but yeah, I mean, that, that that's the key thing, isn't it? You know, you, you can't really complain if decision goes against you when you it's like that rule of sort of resting a team and then having to bring on your stars and still losing start the stars get the team get the game one and bring them off so i you know i as i say if, if i was spanish or you know followed the spanish national team or yeah of course, of course you'd feel feel a bit put out absolutely um and the same with the lukaku goal in, in the semi-final yes there could have been an argument it was close and in the Premier League ironically this season that's probably given because of this new advantage to the attacker rule but VAR is dealt with in different situations, in different circumstances. They are the rules, you know, deal with it. Um, can, I, can I just very quickly add something about both those goals yesterday? One was a superb finish and one was a controversial finish. Mm. But they were both really clinical moves as well. Oh, absolutely, and, yeah. You know, yeah. I agree with Rich. Rupert didn't have a great game. It, sort of in his defence, it's not easy to sort of, you know, walk into that I mean, game in the middle yeah. of it because of an injury. But... He wasn't, you know, he was a bit shaky and the goal was probably his fault, but he played a big part in that second goal by by sort of switching play from one side to the other with a great pass. And just because I'm obsessed, the first goal, even though he only got a four or whatever it was in L'Equipe, even though I don't see how you can give a player who is completely starved at the ball of four because it's not his fault. You can't win matches when you don't have the ball. Griezmann arguably made that goal by just with a split second play, holding the ball up, drawing two or three defenders, flicking it to Pogba, and then based in, in doing so, pretty much opening half the pitch. Mm. You, you kind of read my mind then, because I'll save the next one for Rich, because I... Uh, I, I feel like it, giving you Mbappe is just, at this point, it's a meme. So I'm going to give you Griezmann instead. Um, he, he is underappreciated, isn't he? Like this, this, this sort of narrative of, I heard, um, I think it was Lee Hendry, um, you know, obviously a, a renowned top-end pundit, uh, Aston Villa uh, legend, Lee Hendry. Cough, cough. 
but he was on Sky and he was basically saying he's like, yeah, you know, I don't really, I don't really understand about Griezmann. He, uh, he, he flatters to deceive for me. Doesn't really do it at the top level. I was just sitting there, like honestly, I wanted to eat my own testicles. I was so frustrated. I was like, what are you? How can somebody who is paid to watch the game sit there and say that? I appreciate a lot of the English pundits are Premier League centric, and if it doesn't happen in the good old Prem, they're not, you know, they're not across anything else in the world game. But to say. He's not convinced by him. Look at his 100 cap yesterday. Look at his goals record. Look at his output. The dressing room influence, I think, is massive. I know some people don't like the fact that he actually, you know, enjoys scoring goals and celebrating them. I mean, heaven forbid, we can't have that. I'm sure Graham Sunis uh, has a frown over that as well. But I just think he's hugely underappreciated and he's so key to everything France doing, and clearly Deschamps thinks the same. Is there, you alluded to earlier, Jess, but is there a bit of a concern that, the Mbappe Benzema sort of train, if you will, is going to cause an issue long term with with Greasy. So, are you asking me or Rich? Yes, yes. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Rich, I'm giving I'm giving Mbappe to Rich in a second. Okay. I yeah, I think it's a concern. I think that for the first time recently, we've seen Deschamps being swayed by public opinion and the influence of certain players. There's no doubt in my mind that Giroud was ditched because of Mbappe's temper tantrum. Um, What was most shocking to me was that Deschamps didn't even sort of speak to Giroud about it in advance, which I was really surprised at. Um, And I think the same could happen to Griezmann. It's different, you know, if he refines his best form for Atletico, then maybe it's different. And um, I'm sure Deschamps would acknowledge just how important Griezmann has been to France. And I think, like I said, I think that is why they changed the system. But as long as Mbappe and Benzema are doing what they've done in the last two matches, and like I said, that they there's been a hell of a lot wrong with their performances in both. I mean, again, everyone was raving about Mbappe's performance against Belgium. I thought there was so much selfishness, so much running into brick walls, um, so much doing a little bit of river dance and losing the ball when there was a, a simpler option available. I really think he should look at videos of Pogba sort of early 2018 to World Cup 2018 and seeing how much more effective he can be and you keep it simple. But um, I just, I feel like the way the two of them played and the way that public opinion is so much behind them, certainly Benzema, but also Mbappe, as long as he keeps his form. But I, th- I, I do feel, and I know it's kind of like playground stuff, but we all know that football is not above that, and particularly those two, that if Mbappe and Benzema were in some way to suggest to Deschamps that they're better off without Griezmann, that could happen. And talking about systems and what Phil said earlier about, you know, if you've got a certain, you know, three a line of three and one up front, it would mean one one less midfielder and how are you going to play around with all of that? Chuameni, for me, has forced his way into, you know, the serious debate for a starting Absolutely. lineup. Yeah. So if you've got Chuameni and Pogba, where does Conte fit in? If Deschamps yeah. does want to fit the three in and wouldn't need to change the system again, then, you know, could it be that Griezmann would be the one to be ditched because Benzema could sort of drop back and play that deeper role as well? So, yeah, I think he is vulnerable, partly because of his form, club form. But I don't think that should be a factor, and it hasn't been for the last couple of years because of everything he's done for France and because of how he still performs when he turns out for France. But I I feel he's vulnerable because of 
genuinely from what I saw yesterday, and people might say conspiracy theory, I don't care. I, it was flagrant to me and genuinely an uncomfortable watch at times. Um, the way that Benzema and Mbappe were, were completely bypassing him. There was one near the end. Benzema got it on the left. Griezmann was completely unmarked, centre of the goal, edge of the area. Mbappe was somewhere far on the right. And Benzema still looked for Mbappe and the move fell down. Mm, I did notice that one as well. Must admit, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I do think you raise some some interesting issues and probably concerns there. And the the Conte Schumann debate that's probably one for another day. Um, but I do agree. I, I think we all know Angola Conte is fantastic on his day. Sort of slightly controversial opinion. I don't think he's been at his best this season, uh, fitness wise, and you know, I just feel like he's sort of naturally he's been running his whole career. Just feel like he's. Maybe his form's dipped a little bit in the last six to 12 months, but sure many is, is a player who's just growing by the week. And sadly, and I do mean this genuinely, when he leaves Liga, um, you know, everyone will say he's the next big thing when we've all probably noticed it coming for the last 18 months to two years. And it is a shame that he will inevitably move to a, a bigger club, quote unquote. But um, I do just want to ask you, Rich, on the Mbappe thing, because... Uh, I think Jez has made it pretty clear where he stands. <laughs> I can totally see where he's coming from. Um, I tweeted after the game and I just said that he's he's taken a lot of stick recently. Um, and I was very careful to say some of it has been completely justified and I stand by that. I'm, I still have concerns over his sort of prima donna element. And there is that, that side of his personality that I do think will rub people up the wrong way, both in and out of a dressing room. Um, but, you know, he did step up when it mattered most. And, and not only did he score the winning goal in the final, but people forget there was a lot of pressure on that penalty, especially given the amount of eyes that were on him after the Euros. My only slight concern is, as Jess has touched upon there, is the there's still this projected sort of, I think Leonardo came out in the week and said, you know, he's a PSG player. We still want him to stay. And, you know, Real Madrid should have the book thrown at them because they, they just keep talking about him. Where do you stand, Rich? I mean, where where does are, are we at that point of Kylian Mbappe's career where, as I've mentioned a few times, like does it go one way or the other? Does it go the way of this guy becomes a legend for the next five to ten years, or is he on the precipice of the sort of be careful because it could all sort of crash and burn in flames if you make the wrong choices or say the wrong things? Yeah, it's. It's looking more and more blindingly obvious that PSG keeping Mbappe for this season was catastrophic in terms of the wrong thing because he's not been good. Uh, you know, let's 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 be completely honest. I think about it. I haven't seen an excellent Mbappe performance for some time now, be it for club or country. Um, and someone with his talent, you should be seeing that, if not week in, week out. Certainly, we should be we should be talking that. Oh yeah, it is my last fantastic performance was two weeks ago. But mm. I, I genuinely, maybe it's my me getting older and my memory going, but I genuinely can't remember the last outstanding Mbappe performance where you came away thinking, yeah, that is the player that. You know, the generational player that we all expect him to be. I can't remember when that was. Um, he doesn't want to be at Paris anymore, no matter what he says. He doesn't want to be at Paris. 
Um, his, he- his head's not there, you know, and, and that's now affecting his international performance as well. Yes, he got the penalty and yes, he got a goal, but on any other day, penalty is a penalty. I don't care that he missed his last one. He's still a professional footballer. You step up and you take the penalty. Um, and, and in any other game, that that goal in the final would have been chalked off. So, again, I've used hindsight so much in this podcast, but hindsight is, yes, they sell him. And I've mentioned it on previous podcasts. They cash in on the 200 mil and they reinvest it. The problem they've got now is they've got a player that doesn't want to be at the club, isn't performing particularly well. That kind of attitude, I think, is is quite visible that that's that's spread amongst the PSG team. There's a worry that that then infects the national team as well. And after all of this, uh, sorry, Real Madrid might be thinking... He's been rubbish this season. <laughs> Why do we want to chuck so much at him in terms of you know signing on fee wages when we could just pop over to Dortmund and there is a player who plays hard, works hard, has a great um, a great attitude, scores for fun, and is genuinely looking like a generational talent and didn't get a move, but is still playing well and hasn't let that put... Why don't we go for that guy? Yes, we're going to have to fork out, you know, 100 mil plus, but that's the kind of player we want. Um, I don't know. With Mbappe, I mean, ultimately, he'll get his move away from PSG. I don't... If I'm a PSG fan, I don't know if I'd want a player having performed as he has done so far this season um, and been so vocal, I think, in terms of his desire to move, you know, as a P- is PSG fan, he honestly, honestly want, would want him to stay and be rewarded with a monster contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, sounds, it sounds silly, but I, I, I think you'd have, as a PSG fan, you know, an honest, truthful PSG fan, you'd have to question it. Mm. You know, that's that's not, you know, that's not the sign of someone who is in love with the club. Mm. Someone who's in love with the club is disappointed I didn't get the move that I was hoping for in the summer. I've got a year left on my contract. Let's go, you know, all guns blazing and let's, let's you know, let's, let's show PSG fans, you know, thanks for the good times. And and make them make them miss me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. If I'm mean, if I'm a if I'm a PSG fan and he sort of goes off now in the in you know next summer uh, for a free, I don't know. I'm thinking it was all those of all those years been a bit of a waste. Yeah. Because he, he he could he could have made a real name for himself at PSG, and I just fear. This season now is going to completely tarnish all of that. And it's something that could also tarnish everything that's ahead of him as well. Mm. You know, will he now be that player who, if he doesn't get his own way, he's going to sulk, he's going to kick up a fuss, he's going to not perform. There's worries there. You know, he's still he's still young. 
he's still got a lot of football ahead of him. Yeah. But these last 12 months, and especially this season, uh, to, to the end of the season, will play a huge, huge part on his future in terms of how high can he actually go. You know, 2018, there was no limit on how high he could have gone. You know, he, he performed wonders at the World Cup. Fantastic. Sky was the limit. Could have gone to extraordinary levels. And it just feels since then, it's been coming down a peg or two every single, you know, sort of month by month. We feel like, actually, were we perhaps a little hasty? Yeah. I don't want to be hasty. No, no, I don't I think want, any of us. I want, I want him to be yeah. the amazing player that, you know, broke through at Monaco, was integral in that title-winning Monaco team, was fantastic in his first few seasons at PSG. Unbelievable breaking through into the French team. World Cup winning with the French team. I want that story to continue upwards. But it just feels that the last 18 months... It's just been, you know, you left feeling, oh, I'm a bit underwhelmed. Perhaps I just got a little bit ahead of myself here. You know? Yeah. Take a breath, calm down and realise, actually, you know what? He's not going to be the generational talent that we all expected him to be. And, yeah. you know, some chap from Norway is going to take that crown instead. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just go back and I just think this is, it's, it's, it's ending very ugly for all concerned. It's, you know, PSG don't come out of it looking particularly good. And Bappe, I don't think, is going to be coming out of it looking particularly good. And I don't think PSG will come out of it in terms of any kind of game. Because I think by letting Mbappe go for free, you're opening up the opportunity that, oh, no one's spending any money on him and we'll do what PSG did. And, you know, you can bring all these players in for, quote-unquote, free and then still splash the cash on, you know, Haaland or whoever. Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden, next summer, there's competition left, right and centre for key players that PSG will be in need for. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's not a great situation. Not a great situation for Mbappe, for PSG, and perhaps more overridingly, worryingly for, for, for us, and I mean fans in general, it's worrying for France as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, I think that's well put, and I think we all agree we, you know, we wanted to succeed and we wanted to go well, and I don't think there's any harm in a little bit of arrogance, but you, you damn sure have to, have to back it up, and I don't think anybody really wants a, a player who causes issues in a dressing dressing room or indeed a team split, uh, long term if you're going to build a brand quote unquote around him. So um, he might ill fit in quite well at Madrid though with, with Benzema. That seems to be the way it's going. Okay, good stuff. Well, um, obviously we're all you know delighted. We we got that funky trophy that we all discussed last week. Uh, it looks very pretty. Um, to all those people saying you know how their France celebrate, it's a nothing trophy. I will just repeat again, please cry more, um, because if you think you shouldn't celebrate a trophy, I I don't really know what the point of playing football is. So you know. Um, that's where I stand on that one. 
before we uh, before we do sort of go on our merry way this um, this particular podcast, um, we we don't want to sort of big it up too much, but we'll uh, we'll of course talk a bit of bit of league now because the the season will continue once again uh, this weekend. We're, we're back in action in the domestic side of things. Somehow I lost a week, I don't know how, but uh, on Friday the fifteenth, uh, PSG get the action back underway as they face Angers. Uh, on the Saturday, you've got a choice of two as per usual, Clermont. Against Lille, should be a fairly decent watch, you'd imagine, with both teams in fairly decent form at the moment. Uh, Leon Monaco, uh, that's um, that's got lots of fun written all over it. Uh, anyone who hasn't seen their most recent um, meetings, just go and have a look at some of the highlights. A little bit tasty between those two clubs. So that's uh, that's one to watch on Saturday night. On Sunday, you've got a midday kickoff of Trois against Nice as Project Gaultier continues. On the two o'clock multiplex games, you've got Bordeaux against Nantes. Uh, Bordeaux desperately in need of some points. Uh, Brest against Ravs. Mets against Rennes. That's the Jez Rich derby for those of you uh, keeping score. Uh, Strasbourg against St Etienne. Again, must win you'd feel for Claude Puel with pressure for very much on him. Uh, Montpellier against Lens. Uh, Lens up in second in the table, don't forget, at the moment. So that's a, a big game for them. And Marseille against Lorient is the Sunday evening game. Marseille on telly on a Sunday night. Who would have thought? But uh, delighted to see that they are playing the team that are going to take them down a peg or two once again on the Sunday evening. So um, any of those particular games stand out to any of you that uh, that sort of provoke any uh, any, uh, any, um, any needed conversation, I guess, is the best way of putting it. Any of those stand out for you guys? I guess Leon, uh, um, Leon Monaco for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It. Yeah, oh. I mean that's that is the standout game. Um, Bordeaux Nantes, I think, could be a pretty decent watch. I think mm. Nantes have been, dare I say, it, almost free scoring. Like <laughs> they have, haven't they? It doesn't feel right, does it? it really, um, doesn't feel right. They've been quite good, to be fair. The Atlantic Derby is that what they call it as well? Yeah. It of sorts. Um, Ludovic Blas is having a lovely season as well. It's good to see he's he's a good player to watch and quite enjoying his his form. But no, I I do agree with you on on those ones. Uh, do either of you have a feeling on the? I mean, are you going to just avoid speaking to each other on Sunday, or Jez, are you just admitting defeat before it kicks off like last time? Or yes, you, you are. Okay. <laughs> well, look, I mean, we're we're going into this off the back of beating PSG, so I'm fully expecting a Mets win. <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite true, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fair point. Um, and and Phil, I mean, I guess Montpellier game obviously stands out for you personally, but any of the others that you look at and think that's worth a watch. No, it's Leon Monaco is also my pick. Yeah. I may not bother watching the rest of them. It's been a long way. It has, yeah. I shall be, yeah. There's a few I'm, I'm quite quite taken by, but um, yeah, obviously the Sunday night game for me is, is, is one that I'd be very much across, but I'm going to certainly try and catch Leon Monaco. And I think, You've hit the nail on the head there, actually, the, uh, the Bordeaux-Nont game. Just, just because I'm kind of intrigued by, you know, what Bordeaux we're going to get. Because I do I do just wonder how much longer they can go on being pretty poor. And, and I will be keeping touch on Strasbourg St. Etienne because I do feel like Claude Puel is on very, very thin ice at this stage. And a Strasbourg win in that particular game, I, I think, could spell the end of that particular uh, project as St. Etienne do currently lie bottom of the table, which is 
kind of a bit nuts when you think about it. So, yes. Okay. Excellent. Cool. Yes. I was going to segue you in there, Phil. Uh, Women's Champions League. Uh, yeah, so we've got, obviously, uh, Bordeaux were knocked out by Wolfsburg in the second round on penalties after a 5-5 ad group. Um, there's been a change to the Women's Champions League with there is now a group stage. Hurrah! Um, uh, which the first game in the group stage saw Lyon... Um, winning 3-0 away at Bigehaken and PSG winning 2-0 away at Bredeblik. So we might have some big scores coming up, but um, the French teams, OL and PSG at least, are looking good to qualify for the knockout round of Bordeaux. Uh, not so much, but if you come against Wolfsburg, then <clears throat> you can't really expect to get much out of that because they are a very, very good team. So that was interesting. And we also saw, I think, under 21 euro qualifying this week. Oh, uh, no, now you've got me. Ukraine 5-0. I saw Actually, it at some point. I did see that. Yeah, weirdly, I did spot that somewhere. On Callum Wendell, Diop, Adli, and a double for Shaki against Ukraine, who had a man sent off. So we're setting up for the traditional qualifying goes brilliantly and then the tournament goes badly. Yeah. Or hopefully not. So yeah. that will be an interesting thing to keep track of. Absolutely. And uh, should be nice, well, nice to see uh, Ada Hegeberg, Hegeberg, I can never say that properly, um, back from injury. Uh, I noticed uh, Lana was particularly pleased to see her back for Leon. So, yeah. Good oh, to yes. See Absolutely. Good stuff. Okay. Super. Right. Well, uh, we've got plenty of the week to enjoy before we get back underway in the uh, in the league art schedule so we shall indeed bask in the glory of the funny shapes trophy because that's what i'm going to call it because it is a bit funny shaped. it's quite pretty though to be fair so we shall certainly enjoy that and uh, we will be back of course next week to go through the league art action i think i'm right in saying we've got champions league back the week after next as well so it, it's all happening it's all going off and uh, we will and certainly i keep think coupe de france fifth Brown is yes, next weekend as well. We got a piece up from John Mainland, who's been hiding in bushes uh, to escape weather. Um, about the third round, we should have a piece up about the fourth round soon. The fifth round is, I think, next weekend. So this is where the bigger teams, I say bigger, like, you know, the established national. names. <laughs> Yeah, well, national do national start getting involved. So, the world's biggest cup competition is yes. underway, people. It's, it's pretty. 
yes, we will, as you rightly say, have a have a check out of John's article on that. Uh, and you'll no doubt find out some things you never knew before about teams you may never have encountered before. So do give it a look. But uh, that is where we will end this week then. Um, many thanks to my guests. So, uh, Jez, Rich, very good luck to you both in the uh, the, the FFW Derby this weekend. Um, but um, I shan't miss you. I shan't wish either of you well because uh, I don't want either of you um, going up the table ahead of us. So, but you know, enjoy. So thank you both for your time this week. Thank you, and uh, Phil, thank you very much. Uh, keep yourself well, of course, and uh, good luck to Montpellier, who could probably do with a couple of points, really. And it'd be nice to see oh, them yeah. beat Lons. So, um, yeah, I'm sure Jess will also <laughs> back that particular decision. So, thank you for your time today as well. Thank you. Excellent. So, until next week, uh, enjoy your French football, bask in the glory. Don't let anyone tell you any differently. Allez, Le Bleu. We'll speak to you very soon. Thank you.